0: Hello F1 fans and welcome to F1 on and off the track with Kim Ilman. You can see his photos at ProStarPics.com, read his latest F1 blog at KimIlman.com or follow him on Instagram at Kim Ilman. My name is Adrian and in this episode we're talking about the upcoming German GP. How are you doing today, Kim? I'm relaxed.
1: I'm um, lying here in bed in Mannheim in Germany, which is a beautiful little town. It's about 20 minutes by car and a good day away from the Hockenheim circuit which is uh, our next venue for the German GP.
0: Mm, so just a short trip there then?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's a little town that I stayed in last year and uh, the trip to and from the, the track is via the freeway. Excellent uh, facilities here and I, I really like the feel of the place.
0: Well, let's talk about the track itself then. How does it compare?
1: First year, last year for a number of years, it was reintroduced to the calendar and yeah, I like the track. Uh, it's got some marvellous grandstand access uh, that we can go up and shoot in. And uh, I like the fact that we can get out of the, um, the paddock and, and go out into the media, uh, the general area where the punters are and go up in the stands and, and shoot from a couple of different vantage points. Uh, I, I tend not to go down to the far end of the track because you have to pretty much go there uh, with that in mind only. And it's a fair hike, and especially on a hot day. It takes you a while to get there and there's no bus that uh, gets you there, so it's mainly on foot. So anything that happens down that far end of the track probably happens in front of um, precious few photographers because of the distance it is away from the, the main nerve centre being the paddock. But uh, first corner is good, um, access is great around the place and, yeah, I'm looking forward to my second German Grand Prix. Are there any
0: signature shots on the track or or backgrounds like other tracks have?
1: There's a Ferris wheel, uh, although it's not Mm -hmm. a great shot. They do have some large German flags printed on the the tarmac, just off the tarmac, uh, particularly around the last corner. And a lot of photographers, myself included, like to include those in a shot because it brands it um, with the track that you're shooting at. That's nice. Uh, I did the first uh, lap last year from one to about turn three which is a, a little bit of a walk from the paddock. Uh, it's a, it's an, a figure S sort of thing, and you get them coming through and snaking around. Nothing happened last year. It was a, it was a pretty dull start. So uh, I might this year go and do turn one, um, being that uh, it's, it's a shorter walk, and you know, hopefully something happens on that first turn.
0: I do believe there's a Jim Clark Memorial nearby.
1: It is. I was just thinking about that then when you mentioned that uh, it's down about the same spot that I shot the last year's um, first lap from and it's just outside the track and I remember uh, on the Thursday a number of the drivers would go down there, they would nip out of the track uh, through a fence and um, go and have a look at that particular memorial to the, the great driver who died and I can't tell you when that was, but uh, yeah, it's a nice memorial physically outside of the uh, track, but on the Thursday, it's it's worth going down there, particularly if any of the drivers go down there and have a look at it. It's a nice shot.
0: Now, how do you find the paddock and pit area on this track?
1: Our media center is in a an ordinary sort of building right out the back of the paddock, but to get back into the paddock is not, it's not, it's not a huge walk. Uh, there are actually two sections. The one for the photographers is in a very... Well, run rundown sort of building, uh, a little bit further away from where the, the journalists sit. But um, the paddock itself is good. It's nice and wide. Uh, we have good access to all of the uh, team's hospitality suites. The drivers arrive into the paddock, uh, into the middle of it, uh, and we can go outside of the swipe gates and shoot them getting out of their cars or riding their motorbikes or push bikes in. Um, Sebastian Vettel will normally ride a push bike in. Um, last year I got a shot of Kevin Magnussen being kissed goodbye by his girlfriend out mm. in the car park, and that's the first time I'd seen her. Unfortunately, the picture is pretty ordinary. It's Kevin's face, but her back of her head. And uh, I would have liked to have got a shot of uh, front of her, obviously, for my wives' and girlfriends' posts that I do, but well, maybe this year we'll see what happens. But uh, being the home race for Nico Hulkenberg and Sebastian Vettel is always interesting, so they'll have strong support. Um, both great drivers, obviously, and uh, yeah, I'm sure they're looking forward to a minimum travel for this, their home GP.
0: Yeah, well, with Hulkenberg and Vettel being this, their home race, what's the turnout like?
1: Obviously, a lot more support for them than, than other drivers, uh, and I remember last year, Nico did his track walk on a bike, uh, which he often does. He, he carries a small bike with him through, well, he doesn't the team take this bike around and uh, I got a shot of him crossing the line, which I thought was a reasonable shot. Um, Nico's a, a character. He should he should um, be very popular on the Thursday, and no doubt he and Sebastian Vettel will be in the press conference, I'd say, on the, on the Thursday for the pre-race press conference, and it wouldn't surprise me if they had five drivers in for that press conference on Thursday, which I'll be there to cover and uh, all the other goings-on on media day. In fact, I can't wait to get back there. I've, I've had 10 days off, and... I'm getting a bit toey. i I'm, um, I'm keen to take some more photos.
0: Well, reading through your blog from last year, there seemed to be some hesitation that the German GP would even return this year. Do you know much about that?
1: Nothing at all. Uh, I understood they had a two-year contract, but uh, I understand there's no guarantee of next year at this stage. So um, it's interesting the way this sport works in so much as these decisions are, are kept until, well, quite late in proceedings, as you know, mm. um, last week event silverstone got the nod for next year and that's only uh what are we seven months away from the start of this eight months away from the start of the season so that calendar for next year is quite fluid even at this stage although they have announced that the melbourne grand prix will be uh on i think it's around the 15th of march so that that event is locked in stone but as for the others they're all up in the air until uh, i guess they sort out which races are in and make sure that the whole calendar works for everybody
0: uh, you also said that the Hockenheim track uh, could do with a little more love. It doesn't, it doesn't get as much funding from the government as other tracks and other countries put into it. Does that bring down the atmosphere at
1: all? Yeah. Well, no. I don't think it affects the atmosphere. I just think facility-wise, it's it's perhaps a little run down uh, when you compare it to other or some of the other snazzy and new tracks. But of course, those snazzy new tracks tend to be ones where the government have put lots of cash in mm. and uh, say so, so somewhere like a, a Baku or a russia where there's plenty of money but they don't get the spot uh, the spectators that say a, a race like germany should get being the fact that it's it's in one of the real heartlands of formula one and uh, accessible to everyone well not everyone but certainly it's an accessible point right smack bang in the middle of europe So you'd think it would be well attended. Um, Well, that remains to be seen, of course. We'll know come Sunday as to what the numbers were like for the German GP.
0: Now, the biggest thing to bring up regarding last year's German GP is Seb's crash towards the end.
1: Yeah, and it was one of the fluky things for me, given that I was maybe 50 metres from the impact point I was standing on the outside of that corner when he barreled into the fence. Now, unfortunately, that fence stood about 1.6 metres high so there was no chance of me getting any shots but going into the fence. So I just grabbed two cameras, left the rest of my bag on the on the ground next to the fence, and I sprinted about 100 metres so that I could get to an opening and shoot Seb still in the car. So I got him as he emerged, uh, and then he walked towards me through the gravel with a, a marshal. I put a post up already this week on Instagram of that particular moment. And then he looked up at the screen Uh, to see the replay of the crash and you could just see the pain in his eyes Mm. and uh, it was a lovely series of photos so um not that i I want him to crash out again but uh it was it was a good spot for me to stand and uh, it certainly was the moment of that grand prix and since then he hasn't won a race and uh if you look at all the comments on some of the posts i put up about that particular incident people really think it had a, a tremendous mental effect on the man he was leading the race He should have won. Uh, The rain came and it was a really strange looking off because there was no real speed about it. It wasn't spectacular. He just couldn't get the thing around the corner Mm. and ended up just touching the fence. Great for DHL because their branding was everywhere in in terms of exposure. There'd be little to beat that, I'd say. But, uh, yeah, a a really strange looking crash that affected um, the Germans' prospects that year.
0: When something like that happens nearby to you, what kind of goes through your head step by step and and how do you assess that situation and decide what to do?
1: Well, in that instance, I had to make a selection of cameras and I thought, what have I got here? I've got a 70 to 200 and a wide angle. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Actually, no, I didn't. I did 70 to 200 and a, a 600 mil. So I think I only took one camera because I didn't have time to take off a wide angle lens and put it onto the 600mm. The and the 600mm is a monster lens, heavy, mm. and uh, it would have been impractical. So I, I believe I only took one camera and got straight over there. But there were probably only four or five photographers in that area. So initially, there were very few... Well, there's only shots from four or five of us. But of course, once news had got out and it was such a pivotal moment, mm. guys were running from the paddock, they were running from... Corners uh, pre and post that particular spot. So by the time he ended up getting to the um, moat area where I was standing, there were probably seven, ten, fifteen photographers. And then when he got back to going down the, the paddock, there were there were more than that as well. So yeah, you get the initial opportunity to shoot with few people around. But if it's anything like that sort of incident, you're going to have everyone coming as quick as possible. Certainly, all the guys from the agencies, or all, um, all the agencies, will send at least one guy. Um, to cover that.
0: F1 On and Off the Track is presented by Prostarpix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. Head to Prostarpix.com at the end of this podcast. How much interaction do you actually get with the drivers when you're taking photos and between races and testing and stuff?
1: At the track, it's it's very little interaction because uh, they've always got something to do you're shooting whatever they are doing. And it's not like you get to stop and have a chat with them. The the guys that I know to talk to sometimes, um, if particularly on a Thursday, is a good day towards the end of the day or even Saturday afternoon after qualifying. It's quite relaxed because everything's still set up. It's not like Sunday after the race where every driver's just keen to go. So, uh, look, I get a, I get a chance to talk to someone like Daniel for a minute maybe in a day, Um Someone like Pierre, I had a chat with him after the race the other day on Sunday, him and his girlfriend, and uh, I probably had a, a few minutes of their time. And that's quite a long chat in, in terms of uh, F1. You certainly don't want to be walking down the paddock with, uh, say, a, a Sebastian or a Lewis, because if you're talking to them for any reason, every other photographer is going to be saying, get out of the way, get out of the way. We want to <laughs> show the driver on, on his own. So you tend not to do that, but yeah, sometimes I catch up with them in their hospitality suites, where I have to go in there for one reason, and I've had a couple of chats with guys for five and ten minutes in there, and that's no problem at all, but it's not like you get to stand around with them. Journalists, on the other hand, they they do that, and there's uh, a couple of the guys that I see and stand and talk to, in particular, Sebastian, and Seb's great. He'll stand out in that paddock and talk for five or six minutes with someone well, Lewis, on the other hand, you don't see him stopping to talk in the paddock. He'll talk to people that he needs to talk to in the privacy of his motorhome. But look, it'd be nice to stand and talk to these guys for ages because I've got so many questions. And, uh, you, know, you you enjoy their, their company and they'll, they'll often um, have stories to tell you. But it's it's really pumped during an event. Not that, not that long. You count your blessings when you do get a chance to have a chat with them for any length of time.
0: You mentioned it a little earlier, but are you allowed to shoot from grandstands? Yeah,
1: the uh, last corner is a good spot. I shot from there last year. We went right to the very top. um, And you you get a different view, obviously, and you can shoot wide, you can shoot tight. Uh, You can also move around that grandstand. Um, You'd probably only go up on the Friday. Saturday's too busy and you wouldn't want to take the punt of not being able to get a seat because you, you have to sit down. Uh, with with these people uh, and not annoy them. Otherwise, someone will complain and you'll get turfed mm. out.
0: What sort of future do you think F1 has going forward?
1: Yeah, I was talking to someone about this the other day and they were saying that the real challenge for Formula 1 is to get young people involved. Uh, now, I don't know how you do that, but um, it, it's I like seeing youngsters at the track with their uh, paraphernalia for their favourite driver, but I think that's the main challenge, that they have to sort out how they... Get the attention of the younger brigade, get them excited about it. Certainly, esports is a way to go, and there's great interest in that, and particularly from a younger brigade. But look, I'm I'm not sure I know how they would solve that problem of getting young people interested. But they're doing a little bit already with F1 in schools. That helps. Okay. Uh, it needs to be a concerted campaign. It's probably going to take some years too. If they can manage to solve that problem, I think it. Uh, It's great for the sport. Now, actually, last night I was watching something hilarious on social media with Jeremy Clarkson getting stuck into F1 about how boring it is and how it's just Mercedes winning and no overtaking. And uh, some of the things he said had real merit. And and you might want to, if you've got a moment, search that on the internet. And uh, it's Jeremy Clarkson. He, He uses a bit of the F word in there too from time to time. But, yeah, what he had to say was it was quite valid. And perhaps there are some ideas in what he's, he was ranting on about there you know, in, in terms of getting the sport back to where it used to be, where it was uh, exciting and, and crashes. And let's be honest, people want to see a bit of, bit of risk involved, guys out there going wheel to wheel at high speed. Um, and he's all for getting rid of the stewards. That's one of his great things. He's had enough of the stewards stepping in and ruining the sport, but I'm not sure what what the answer is but I think it's certainly the question that needs to be asked and a solution needs to be found.
0: Can you tell us about some of the more unusual briefs that some photographers have?
1: Yeah I was speaking to a couple of guys in the last race and see my brief I'm a freelancer so I can shoot whatever I want. Um, I don't have unless the client asks me for something in particular I don't have anything that's particularly out of the ordinary. However there are photographers at the track and I'll give you an example. Um, One team has a photographer stand at a certain point and they run a cable for their camera to connect to. And during the race, their job is to take photos of tyre degradation and that is their only job. So they take a photo of whatever the, the team asks them to do. But even if there's a uh, like a car's on fire around the corner, they can't leave that post. They have to stand there and continue to take photos of the tyre degradation of each car. And those photos are sent back real time to the team And someone in the team will look at those photos and they'll say, oh, okay. well, uh, the Haas car uh, has got problems with the tyres. They're going to have to come in the next two laps and that will affect whatever strategy that that particular team has. And so they view that it's worth paying someone to do that important job just so that they have inside information that may help them improve a place or two because an extra point here and there means a lot of money to those teams so they figure that that's a worthwhile investment there are other photographers who take photos of uh, how much downforce each car has at a certain point so they'll just take photo after photo of uh, and, and there's nothing artistic about them they're high speed shots uh, maybe a five thousandths of a second so everything's sharp and it allows the team then to to look at the other cars and work out where they sit compared with them and there are also um other photographers whose only brief is to take technical spec shots so they will wander the paddock um, and they will take shots of every single thing on the cars um, for uh, for a particular team and it might be the front wing detail it might be uh, what's happening with the back of the car and um, in terms of taking driver photos in the paddock no not interested in that their only job is to work on the technical specs. so yeah there are a lot of jobs in the photographic world that when i first came into the sport i had no idea existed but yeah they're quite important and someone has to do them
0: do these different contexts of photography i suppose require different skills and different equipment to to get them
1: no probably just the long lens and uh, an ability to keep taking the same shots over and over and over again
0: well as we come towards the end i wanted to mention that you've been spruiking these great dinner meetups and you've got another one coming up in austin
1: yeah, it's it's funny that I, because I planned one for Monza, uh, and then I had people saying, "What about Perth?" And I thought, "Well, <laughs> it's my home city. It's an easy one to do, and I don't have to do it on a Saturday night of a Grand Prix." So I've um, established uh, two dates. One is the Saturday of the Monza Grand Prix in Italy, and then there's the following Thursday in Perth, and then I get people from America saying, "Are you doing one in Austin?" I I didn't think that would have been a popular event to do one at, but given the feedback, I thought, well, let's do do one in Austin. So on the Wednesday prior to the race, I'm doing an event in the city at a restaurant. It'll be dinner. It'll be a couple of hours chat about F1 tales from the paddock, photographic tips, and a chance to just immerse yourself in the whole world of Formula One. And I haven't picked a restaurant yet. That'll depend on numbers, but certainly at 150 US dollars for. The uh, event, which gets you two A3 prints if you book in time, uh, it's good value, great value. And you'll get to mix with some people who love the sport in a casual atmosphere. And I'd like to see as many of those who are coming to the Austin event come to that function. It'll be uh, good fun. And you can just simply private message me through Instagram or through KimElman.com. I'll send you all the details and we'd love to have your company.
0: Speaking of the two prints for the Monza dinner, there's actually a purchase cutoff date for July twenty-five.
1: That's it. What is that? That's uh, this weekend, isn't it? So if you want two prints, you've got to book your Monza uh, and pay for it by uh, the 25th of July and you'll get those two prints on the night. You can still book afterwards, but you'll only get a single print up until a certain point, And then after that date, uh, you won't get any prints, but you'll still enjoy a good meal, uh, some drinks, some fun chat and uh, walk away with a few photographic tips that'll help you improve your photography.
0: So what did make you decide to do these dinner meetings?
1: I realized that uh, over the past couple of years, I've amassed quite a bit of information about how this whole thing works. And uh, I'm still raw enough and enthusiastic enough to be able to share it with people and give them some real value for money. And people ask often lots and lots of questions about what goes on here and there. And I thought, well, I'll answer the question once, but do it for 12 or 20 people. And I've been happy with the responses I'm getting at, uh, as we get closer to these dates. It's um, it's filling up, and I think maybe next year I might even do one in well, perhaps not every city because some just don't lend itself to it, but for most cities. So at the moment, as I do like this race, I'm looking for a venue here in um, Germany for next year's German Grand Prix if we have one.
0: Well, thank you very much for discussing the German GP that's coming up, Kim.
1: Let's hope it's something interesting like the last couple of races. We've been spoiled for excitement. Um, We'll keep our fingers crossed that there's overtaking and drama and uh, all sorts of shenanigans.
0: To see any of the photos we've talked about today, head over to prostarpix.com or kimillman.com. You can also stay updated by following Kim on Instagram at kimillman. If you like what you heard today, please give us a review and remember to hit subscribe to stay posted for our next episode. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on and off the track. F1 On and Off the Track was presented by prostarpix.com stunning f1 photos live from the track searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use prostarpix.com head there now